How do you make business problems disappear? Wrap them in bacon. For business owners, marketing execs, and anyone trying to grow your business, pump your profits, and make more while doing less, welcome to Bacon Wrapped Business with Brad Costanzo. Sizzling hot business advice guaranteed to make you fat. Profits? Every week our chefs will serve you proven recipes for ramping up your revenue. Now here's your host, Brad Costanzo. All right, welcome to Bacon Wrapped Business. This is Brad Costanzo, and um, got a fun episode today. Never would I have had guessed, like 10, maybe 11, 12 years ago, I can't remember exactly when, when I was reading uh, various books by today's guest, Tucker Max, that I think that you know, a decade later I would be interviewing him on the show. This was back before I started you know, my business, and uh, or actually several businesses. And uh, today's topic is actually going to be very business related. So Tucker Max, if you're not already familiar with him, is a multiple New York Times bestselling author. He made his bones and actually created the, uh, you know, I guess the genre of fratire with books such mm-hmm. as I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell, Assholes Finish First, Hilarity Ensues, etc. And these books really just kind of detailed and chronicled his life, um, drinking, partying, etc., However, in the past uh, several years, it's been really cool to watch Tucker migrate over to a very successful entrepreneur, publisher, and somebody who's really uh, made a complete switch in the topics of the things he's doing. And he's helping other uh, aspiring writers, entrepreneurs, business people get books out of their head and using a lot of the strategies he's done to not only write them, get them out quickly, but then some of the publishing strategies. So I invited him on the show today to talk a lot about that and anything else that comes up. And with you know, a guy like Tucker, who knows where it'll go. But uh, Tucker, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, you're in, uh, are you in Austin, is that right? Uh, I live in Austin. Right now, I'm actually in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, nice. Uh, but normally, I'm in Austin, yeah. Very cool. So, um, man, there's, there's a million questions I would love to ask you. But, you know, one of the things I'm most fascinated about are, you know, some of the strategies that, you know, you've used, not only to grow your business of, you know, book in a box, and, you know, kind of this reinvention of yourself, but also some of the, you know, kind of cool strategies that you're seeing other people use. Now, um, I'll, I'll let you tell me, you know, t- tell the audience a little bit more about what Book in a Box is, just so that people get uh, get familiar with it. But then I kind of want to dive into some questions that hopefully you haven't been getting asked by every other, uh, uh, you know, podcast host, etc. Yeah, so Book in a Box, honestly, it's... It, once When I describe it, you're like, oh, I can't believe this didn't exist before. It's like, uh, basically, we figured out a way to turn um, uh, someone's idea into a book in their words and their voice without them having to do the typing. So we just have a very structured interview process that kind of goes through the entire book creation process. You know, positioning, outlining, uh, interviewing for the content, transcribing and editing. We kind of, we do all the work on the back end and all the author has to do is have to know what they're talking about because we don't add any content, which, you know, unlike ghostwriting, we're not actually adding ideas. It's mm-hmm. theirs. And uh, they just have to get on the phone after that. Those are the only two things you need. And so it's, uh, if you want to, if you have a great idea for a book, um, but you're 
like most people, really busy and don't have time or desire to sit down and figure out how to write a book, it's like the perfect solution. <laughs> exactly. Now, these are just kind of for clarification. These are prim- primarily nonfiction books, right? Like you guys probably uh, don't all nonfiction. Yeah, I would no, think no, no. So. Yeah, that process doesn't work with fiction. Yeah. So it's um, it's really funny because legitimately, eighteen minutes ago, I got an email, a Facebook message from my friend Shalina, and she just said. Hey, Brad, how's life? Are you still doing Amazon book stuff for people these days? So years ago, when I, uh, so I sold my first business, uh, you know, online publishing business, information products, et cetera. And I kind of stumbled into consulting. And one of the very first things I did is I noticed uh, a buddy of mine had a great info products and other stuff, but he didn't really have a book. So I took some of his content and I helped him do this exact same thing. Very manual process. I really didn't even know what I was doing. And then I helped him publish it on Amazon. Word got out. And I've done about eight of these uh, just as kind of an informal service for clients in the past. So I know exactly right. what goes into it. And I know how much you know work it can you know, it can be, but this was kind of funny that she literally emailed me about this right before we jumped on about this exact same, about this exact same stuff. Um, but let me ask you this. So with your process, how long does it uh-huh. typically take when you've got a really willing, uh, when you've got a really willing, uh, author who's like, yeah, I'll do you say. it takes the author about 20 hours on the phone over six months. Okay. We, uh, we do everything else on the back end. Uh, so like we charge $20,000. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not, it's not cheap, but relative to, to sort of like a good ghostwriter really is going to cost at least 50 grand. Mm-hmm. And that, all that, all that does is get you a manuscript. And, right. and really you should be paying 75 to 100 for a really good one. At 50, you could still potentially get one who's not very good. Um, so that, like that's the real difference is this is a way to, to sort of, turn ideas into books at scale mm-hmm. and to do it in a way that's really simple and really user friendly. Cause like, here's the thing. Most people know what they're talking about and they know how to talk, but the act of writing is a totally different cognitive skill than thinking or talking. So we've just essentially separated these things that people traditionally put together, but don't have to necessarily go together. That makes sense. So for instance, if I had a book idea, we would do an initial consultation. You'd find out if is it really a viable idea or not. Like, how do you determine uh, viability? Yeah, so right. So our sales process so uh, is really more of a discovery process. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't we don't really um um and most people who come to us to, by the time they get on the phone with us, they know like th- this costs twenty thousand dollars. I know the quality of books they produce. So the question is. Would they make a good client? And what are their questions? Mm-hmm. And so for us, what we have to figure out is, do they have the book in their head already? Which doesn't mean they have to know exactly what they want the book to be about. What we actually find is that most serious professionals have two or three different books in them. And so the question isn't, do they have a book? It's what book should they be doing first, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, we obviously can help with that process. That's sort of how the process works. Uh, but... Uh, we have to figure out one, do they have at least one viable book in them? Uh, and if the answer is no, then, um, you know, then we can't work with them. And then the other, uh, question really for us is, do they have like, are their expectations reasonable? Is there a kind of a reasonable ROI for this? Uh, cause we don't want to be in the business of, you know, rich assholes. Vanity books. A bunch of money. Right. Like, uh, doing vanity books. Uh, it's not even that I have a, like, 
it's not even that they're necessarily bad. It's that normally people who do those don't have much to say (laughs) and they have totally unrealistic expectations about what a book can do for them. Whereas someone like you who owns a business or is an entrepreneur or is a C-level executive, they look at a book as what it is, which is essentially an all-purpose marketing tool that gets them authority, credibility, speaking gigs, clients, all those sorts of things. It's directly tied to a result, not tied to their ego. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you find that, um, as I have w- when I've used this, that the people who use it as the marketing tool and understand that, that it's got, it, that it plays a much bigger picture, uh, they have a lot more success as the ones who are just, Hey, I want to sell a bunch of books. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, we don't even work with the other type anymore. Right. Like we really, no, we have a whole process where we deeply understand. Like honestly, most people, most serious professionals who can afford, you know, to pay for our service have a book in them. Mm-hmm. They have knowledge in their heads that other people find valuable. The real question is not do they have a book? The real question is what are they going to use the book for and what are their expectations? And yeah, the people who look at it like an investment, a book is an investment in themselves, in their career, in their company, they almost always do really well because our process, what we do is we start by asking like, why are you writing the book? Who do you want to reach? And what are you saying that that's interesting to them? You know, why are they going to pay attention? And so we help people uh, directly nail down exactly how they're going to use the book before, before we even outline the book. Uh, th- I mean, that's how you market a book is you've got to deeply understand what result you're trying to get from it, who you're trying to reach and why they're going to care. Yeah, and if you understand that, everything else is easy. Yeah. Start with the end in mind. <laughs> you know, how, yeah. how would you use this? What are some exactly. of the more, uh, what are some of the, like the cooler, more ingenious methods of using a book, you know, you know, to grow your business that you've kind of seen people do to leverage it besides just handing it out as a calling card. I mean, I don't know if you, how involved you guys stay in touch with some of the authors necessarily after it, but are there any kind of cool stories that you've seen people? I mean, it's so, there's so many things. It really just depends on, it depends on your business, right? So what I would say generally is you need to, most people look at a book as like a, a validation for their ego. You know, they don't really look at a book as a marketing tool. But once you start looking at it as a a marketing tool, then you can really start to free up your mind and start to see how uh, it can help you. I'll I'll give you a great example. Uh, We we have one client who is a um, he is a financial planner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like financial planners uh, can't advertise like the ones who are in FINRA and whatever. They have to uh, basically rely on word of mouth. Right. So, so for him, client acquisition is, is difficult. So what we did is we did a book that was, he specializes with, uh, divorced women. Like it's not his only clients, but he, for whatever reason, he has a lot of wealthy divorced women. Mm-hmm. And so you're a wealthy woman and you're about to go through a divorce. There's like 10 things you should really be doing, um, uh, that, that can help you, uh, sort of get through your divorce. So he wrote a book that explained all those things. Now, a lot of the things are things that he did. Some are things that lawyers should be doing, whatever. But then here's what he did that was really smart. So it printed out, we, you know, we did it in hardcover and it's a beautiful hardcover. And then he sent the book out to every divorce lawyer he knows. Because in the book, what he did is he put in the book a free financial consultation uh, for a, 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 a woman if 
the book goes through, if they get the book from one of the uh, divorce attorneys, right? Mm-hmm. And so he didn't even put the book on Amazon. He actually just looked at this book as essentially the most baller brochure yeah. that he, he could ever create. And so what it, what's ended up happening in the six months since that came out is he's gotten like, he's probably done about a hundred consultations and he signed, I think, over a third of those women as clients. And like the average client is bringing in like $10 million. So he's made a huge amount of, he's greatly increased his assets under management and it's cost him seriously, maybe at most 40 grand. Wow. Like so that, that includes us and buying the books and shipping them and the time value of his time. Like 40 to 50 grand. Yeah, oh. that's awesome. So, so he, he's a financial advisor. He specialized, like you said, wealthy divorced women. Is that right? Exactly. Yep. So he, he sent it to the divorce lawyers. Exactly. Because that's the first person, yep. uh, a, a woman who's getting divorced talks to is a divorce lawyer and she needs financial advice and the lawyers don't give financial advice. So what that, what that book did is it became something every lawyer can then give that to, yep. to every woman who comes in the office and, and they, he, they can say, listen, read this. It tells you the 10 things you need to do financially. Plus, this guy's a friend of mine or he's someone I know. Uh, he'll get on the phone with you for an hour and do a free consult specific to you only if you come through me. Yeah. See, that's what he did is he made it like sort of an exclusive thing. And so like that way, the, the divorce attorneys are not only more likely to give the book away, they're going to encourage these women to call him. <laughs> you know? Think about that. Like... It's, it's insane. A hardcover book at scale costs about a dollar seventy to print. A yeah. beautiful, amazing hardcover. Basically plus free. Shipping. Right. It's basically, I mean, plus shipping, call it even $4, right? So he sent like a hundred books to whatever it was, 20 different, you know, 30 different divorce lawyers. So he's call that, you know, uh, whatever, five grand plus the time value of his time. And, but they're all sales calls. They're all potential sales calls. So he has all the, he spent nothing basically relative to the, you know, every, every $10 million he's making whatever, 10, 20, uh, hundred grand a year. Absolutely. Um, so it's like the easiest thing on earth for him. Yeah. It's, it's, that's, but, but that's, see, here's the thing with, here's the genius is that he didn't try and write a book for everybody. He wrote a book that was deeply specific to divorced wealthy women. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say about 50 to 60% of the advice in that book is applicable to everybody, but he didn't try, he, he didn't title the book or position the book for everybody. He positioned it for a tiny niche. I mean, there are not a lot of women every year who are getting divorced and have like 10 million or more in assets, which is kind of his, that's like the dividing line for his book, right? And so he, he went right after those women. He went to all the attorney. There's not a lot of attorneys who specialize in that group, right? And so, but he didn't try and reach everybody. He went deeply niche and he is the, he is the only book out there that is about this one subject. And he put it in front of the people who are like most likely to interact with those women. Right. Does that make sense? Like, oh, no, so it, the, not only does it make sense. Is, I mean, he, the genius is that he is, he's doing the opposite of what most people think you have to do with a book, which is move a bunch of copies, get a bunch of attention, except 
uh, he's he, that's why he's done so well is because he didn't try and get any attention except the people that mattered for him. Yep. So here's what I love about this. I was li- literally having this conversation um, yesterday with a prospective client of mine who is uh, over in uh, somewhere in the East Coast, and they are a financial advisor, and he has written a book, so it's already done uh, something about cashing out. Uh, you know, how to get cash out of your business, primarily for like baby boom, um, you know, baby boomer business owners, et cetera. So it's very specific to that. I was like, well, how are you using it? And it's basically just a calling card. And I was telling him that that's exactly what we need to do is to get that in front of his potential referral sources like CPAs and attorneys and all of the, you know, the clients of his, you know, the people who could potentially refer him clients. And it's ex- this exact method. Now, here's a here's a fun take on this. You may already be familiar with this strategy, but when I've shared it with my clients, this is the first time I think I've re- really revealed it, you know, over the air like this, but because uh, I sometimes charge for this <laughs> idea, which is if you do have it on Amazon and you know who you want to reach, right? And it's not necessarily somebody you already know, but let's just say it's a, a prestigious divorce attorney here in, um, like I live in San Diego, Prestigious divorce right. attorney in San Diego. If it's on Amazon, you go and you buy the book as a gift, gift wrapped and everything with a card on Amazon and you send it to their office because it's very easy to find out who their office is. One of the things we know about Amazon is that gets opened by everybody and it oftentimes will bypass the gatekeeper because they think it's, you know, something personal. And in right, that exactly. book, right? In that book where it's gift wrapped and it's got a little note, you could put something like, um, Hey, I, I wanted you to take, you know, I wanted you to have a copy of my book. I've got an idea that might, you know, help you grow your business, you know, whatever. And you can even have a little short link to a quick YouTube video or whatever you did talking directly to that person. And, um, it's, it's just so effective. The clients of mine who have done it going, Oh my God, I can't believe it. They called me. They loved it. And uh, I could see that as a great way to send it just to get the re- relationships with like, like you said, those divorce attorneys that you don't know. And you let them know, yeah, how would you like to give this book out to your people? Um, that, that's that's a great um, – I'll tell you, you know who does this really well? Have you heard of John Ruin? He just came out with <laughs> I, a book called Psychology. I just bought that book off my buddy Dan Martell's recommendation two days ago, and I'm about a third of the way through it. So so John's a client of ours. Oh, we nice. did that book. Yeah. Really cool. So we, we did the entire book start to finish. Uh, and we use a lot of his principles with our clients. Mm-hmm. You should have him as a guest because he's really good at explaining. There's there's a lot of weird psychology with gifts, and there's a lot of ways to do it right and wrong. Yeah, uh, that that's a great way to do it. We were doing some things wrong. You should have him on. He's, I would love to. Can yes, you, that's a fantastic strategy. Can, can you make uh, an intro? Really I would well. love to have him on. Of course, it, it of was one, yeah, it was one of the things as I was reading through it. I knew immediately, like, yeah, this is this is huge. And as I was reading through it, I was like, I'd love to have this guy on. And as a matter of fact, one of the other strategies for like this other financial advisor client is he doesn't have any kind of a wow package or, you know, kind of a welcome to the thing. Like I tell all my professional service clients, like create a big box of stuff just to kind of wow your new clients or potentially market to your your prospective ones with two copies of your book in there, one to keep, one to give away, and then yep. a handful of other potential gifts that represent something else. Yeah, so that's that's really cool. I didn't know he was a client of yours. It's a great book. Yeah, too. yeah, it, it, it's it's really good, and he explains this. And that's we have a lot of our clients who do all kinds of. You should actually have John tell. I'll tell you the quick story, but have him tell you like what he did with the uh, galleys of his book, which was really smart. So, um, a, you know, a galley is normal. In publishing speak, that's like the, the pre-publication book, right? Okay. So that's like before it's totally proofed, 
you send it out six months ahead of release date to influencers because you want them to read it and then either give you a blurb or whatever, right? Yeah. So, but they're normally really cheap, flimsy copies of, of a book, and everyone understands that, and it's it's cool, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Rutland did the opposite. So he owns a leather production company that does all these leather gifts. He did a leather bound ver- uh, version of his galley. Oh wow! And in this beautiful leather bag. And it, it, it came like it, almost like a like a like a Hermes gift kit or something. It was amazing, <laughs> and sent it out to like a hundred or two hundred people who he wanted to reach, and got an amazing response rate. And it was like n- maybe eight to nine dollars per thing instead of like let's say three to four with just a normal hardcover. So you're basically doubling the cost, but tripling or quadrupling the response rate. Yeah. Because it looks so beautiful and it works really well. Yeah, it's it's more beautiful than that than the finished product. That's exactly exactly. Awesome. Have you? Uh, do you know? Because he, he lives down in Austin. Do you know Alex Sharfin by any chance? Yeah, we just had dinner with him and his wife. I just I just interviewed him on my show yesterday, and he was talking about the strategy he did using his book Entrepreneurial Personality Type about how he only printed five hundred. You know that story. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh-huh. For anybody else, you guys can go listen to the uh, Alex Sharfin interview. I won't go into the details here, but um, yeah. So I've I've always been a huge proponent of that book uh, as your as that like can that first tip of the spear. I read somewhere, and God, I've Googled around looking for the stat that says something about like for people who have you know customers or whatever that the lifetime value of a customer who comes in or a client who comes in. And your, their very first thing was a book is something like two to three times higher because of the, because of the enhanced credibility of a book. Like, oh man, I found him from this book and it holds, you know, there's such a halo effect there as opposed to if somebody comes in through your ebook giveaway or your webinar or something of that nature. Yeah. I would say at least half of our clients, the main value they've seen from their book has been the indirect authority credibility value. Like these are, you know, high, high level fortune 500 CEO types, some of them. And they're like, dude, I, I I knew, but I didn't anticipate how it would change people's perception of me, mm-hmm. you know? Because here's the thing, man. It, even though anyone can do a book right now, I actually think it's more impressive to have a book now than it was uh, 10 years ago. Because 10 years ago, the only way you got a book is by having connections with a publisher or what. Like, you basically had to be a professional writer, Yeah. right? Or you have had to have like a really be famous otherwise or it was a hard gatekeeper to get past now because it's so easy no one has a fucking excuse anymore man like if you don't have a book as a serious professional i mean yeah uh, what that tells people is like either you don't have enough ideas or you don't want your ideas tested or you haven't been able to find time to write it and so like a lot of people that we've seen were already very established people they wrote their first book with us. Now they want to come back and do more because they're like, oh my God, I've had so many people tell me that, you know, oh, I knew you were smart, but I didn't realize how smart so I read your book. Or, hmm. I, you know, I knew X, but I didn't, you know, I knew something about you, but you, the book changed the perception, you know, because that's the thing is you can't hide in a book. Yeah. You can, you can definitely write a crap book and just throw it up on Amazon. But the thing is, everyone knows it. You know, if, if, the, if the cover looks stupid, if they, you know, do the preview and they read the first few pages and they're like, this is all just platitudes and whatever. You can lose you are put Right. You're setting yourself up to be judged. And the thing is, it's so, because it's so easy to do a book, it's still really hard to do a good book. 
Yeah. Right. And so like, we've seen so many people who have uh, like fun, dude, this one woman, Melissa Gonzalez, all she's like, it, it tripled her business in two years, all this sort of stuff her book did. You know what she talks about when she does media interviews? Hmm. She says, my mom now introduces me as her daughter, the published author. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. She's, I know, and it seems ridiculous, right? But books still hold this weird place in society. Especially in the mass market who doesn't still realize how easy it is, right? Like the the general population, it still is holding on to that credibility that, oh, wow, you're a published author, whether you published yourself or not. Like, like Melissa, like Melissa's mom, right? Yeah. But that's, is that it's, it's, I think it's changing on both sides. So the old side, right, is still like, oh, you're an author. It's a big deal. But people like me and you still, like when I'm like, um, when I went looking for a CEO coach, an executive coach, because Book in a Box was taking off and, you know, I don't know how to build a business. So I really had to learn. And, uh, I, man, I, I read every goddamn book out there. First of all, I didn't even consider the consultants who didn't have books. Didn't even consider them. Right. Right. Didn't matter recommendation or anything because how could I vet them? If they didn't have a book, right? You should have considered him and then made him a client. Like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll work with you once you use my service to get a book. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So the problem is I didn't have time to even go through that. Like, I needed someone quick. And so I read like 10 or 20. I bought 10 or 20 books by like the best executive coaches. Half of them were total garbage. Like, I stopped reading after five pages, threw the books out. The other half of the remaining half, I bailed halfway through. And I was basically left with two books. One was okay. One was incredible. And the incredible one, I went and hired the guy and that Cameron Harold, uh, who okay. wrote Double Double. And he's a client of ours now. He, uh, he, he became a client of ours and he did three books with us. Um, but like that book was Cameron just is- recommended to me just recently by my friend Sean Stevenson. I don't know if you know Sean, but, um, yes. yeah, he just recommended. He's like, this is amazing. Double, book. Double, What's that? Meeting suck. Double yeah. double or meeting suck? Double double. Yeah. So he just came out of the book meeting suck. And he's doing two more with us. Double Double is amazing. The problem is it's got a really dumb title. Yeah. Like, uh, like a Double Double is a cheeseburger from In-N-Out. Right, exactly. Like, no, we're going to get Cameron to redo that book with us because a lot of the the, the um, uh, advice has cha- changed and been updated. That's another dude you should have on your podcast. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, man, we work with we worked with 300 people now. We've done 300 books. I interviewed so many executive coaches. Cameron was by, he was so much better than everyone else. Like this is a dude who scaled multiple hundred million dollar a year companies. So like when I would ask him a question, like a deep granular question, he not only knew the answer, he would like reframe the entire question and teach me like everything about that sector of business in like an hour. It was amazing dealing with this dude. You know, that's kind of a cool segue to some things I wanted to ask you about because, you know, you made a transition from just author who had some great right. success because you created some amazing books to now CEO of a service-based business. What were some of those biggest challenges that you saw yourself facing? You're like, man, if I don't get an executive coach and figure this crap out, I'm doomed. What were some well, of maybe, maybe well, so shifts? Here, no, it's a great, it's a great question. Uh, you know, the, here's the biggest shift and I haven't really talked about this much publicly. Uh, but um, I ended up firing myself as CEO Yeah, and we hired a, a professional um, uh, the dude's amazing. He was a client and then came on board because of, of what you, the, basically the question you just asked. Yeah. I realized that I was really, really good at certain things. And so my assumption is, well, I'll be good at everything, right? How hard can being a CEO be? 
I was totally wrong. It was so hard <laughs> yeah. because there's a set of skills that I just don't have, dude. Like uh, a great CEO deeply understands their team. They deeply like they like spending a lot of time with them coaching. They're detail oriented, but they also understand strategy and the big picture. And, you know, they, they, there's, it's just a really hard thing to do. I was only good at about a third of the job and I was really great at a third, but the other two thirds, I kind of stunk. And so like the lesson I learned was stop trying to be everything and stop thinking I can be great at everything and instead double down on what I'm great at. I spend now I spend all my time at the one third of things that I'm really great at. I spend virtually zero time on the two thirds of things like that. I hired Cam to teach me those things and he's a great teacher. But I realized I was learning slower than my company needed. My company was so fast that I was the throttle, you know? And so, so like what I had to do, man, was face the uncomfortable truth that if I wanted to do was best for the company and for my team, I had to move out of that position and get someone who was already ready today to lead because I wasn't. What are some of those things that you consider yourself like that third of activities that you're really, really good at? So it, it, it's basically my one of our de- department heads, uh, Hal Clifford, said, uh, he summed it up this way. He said, Tucker, uh, you need to spend all your time uh, making culture and making it rain. And mm-hmm. ma- making strate- strategy, culture, and rain. So, like, I'm great at marketing. I'm great at talking to people. I'm great at talking about what we do. I mean, I do. I'm, I'm essentially still the public. Not essentially. I am the public face of the company. Uh, and I'm still the largest shareholder mm-hmm. uh, by far. But... Um, I spend my time talking about the company with other people, not actually running day to day. And then strategy and culture, which is like, you know, like, um, what, what's our t- two, five, you know, 10 year plan? I'm really great at, I'm really great at seeing things uh, like ahead of time and understanding like, okay, we need to move. You know, it's like, like saying we need to go to this spot. And then the, you know, he, na- the, the, the CEO actually does the navigation, but I'm like, we need to go in this direction and here's why, et cetera. And then, um, culture dude, which is like understanding large scale. How does our company need to, how do we, so like, how do we message? How do we talk about ourselves? How are people perceiving us? What are we doing right that way? What are we doing wrong? How do we, how do we create the environment, uh, both that people outside understand what we're doing and want to come in and be a part of it. And also the, the, in, the team inside, the team working with us are people understand uh what we're doing and and we can get the best you know they can be the most productive possible like that stuff right it sounds like kind of like everyone thinks they're good at that stuff it's actually really hard to be good at it Mm -hmm. especially if you're doing a million other things right it's way harder and my mind is way harder to be good at execution and jt is just like a beast at execution like nothing he is so detail-oriented nothing misses his eye like everything gets done. He is like, uh, like a, like a British, like bulldog, man. Once he gets his teeth into something, forget it. Nice. It's, it's done. And I'm just not like that, man. I'm like, I want to do five things today. I don't want to, you know, and 50, all different. Yeah. I don't want to focus on, on, on sort of the, the details. Yeah. You and I are a lot alike there. You bring up several kind of points. Uh, first of all, exactly what you're talking about. Have you read the book Rocket Fuel? No. Okay. You need to absolutely get that. I've recommended this to everybody. I had the, the author on the, uh, on the show just recently, but rocket fuel is the all about that relationship between the visionary and the integrator who is your JT. And, um, it's not just, 
okay, here's the personality traits and quirks and ups and downs of each side, but it's a framework for how your, your visionary, your CEO, which is like, or you, like the founder of the company should be, uh, interacting with your integrator and the person who executes everything. And it was funny. He, he comes, he, he creates a lot of different frameworks, but one of them that I always remember is this. The integrator is always the tiebreaker. So you may come up with a lot of ideas and things you want to do, but I'm guessing you probably run these by JT and he'll take a look at the company. He'll say, okay, well, we don't have those resources right now, Tucker. Go come up with another idea. We'll get back to that. Yeah. But it's a framework for the meetings. It's a framework for everything else. And his whole thing is when you find that right visionary and that right integrator, your company works like rocket fuel. And it sounds like you've kind of discovered that. That's what I, one of the things I've been working on in my business. I, so I have a, I have another business, a coffee, a coffee brand, a national coffee brand that we sell online. Which, called which one? Stiletto Coffee. Oh yeah. I've heard of you guys. Awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. Really the only, the only coffee marketed directly towards women. So it's got a very yeah. kind of sassy, classy vibe. And uh-huh. I've, you know, I was great at launching it with my wife and she kind of handles all the quality control and coffee stuff. But now that launch is over and it's in that management thing and I find myself doing micro tasks around this, I'm like, oh, get me out of here. So I'm currently yeah. like looking for my integrator there. But at the same time, you know, when you were talking about how you removed yourself from it so you can only work on the stuff that you're really, really good at and you're not messing with all the details, I kind of think of that as like the – like that's why I consult. It's the grandpa business model or the grandparent business model. I get to come in and have all the fun and, you know, give the kids candy and do all the, the cool stuff that I'm good at. But then when it when it's time to take care of them and be super responsible, I get to hand them back. <laughs> well, I mean, sort of, yeah. Here's the thing, though, is that like it, it's one of those things where, where what, what, what we do, it looks really easy from the outside. So everyone's like, oh, I want to be, be that person who just comes in for two hours a day and that's it. Except the problem is to get good enough where you can do that. And be that is actually really, really hard. Oh yeah. And so, so like, uh, it's, it, it, you know how like, um, like people, people, um, it, it's changed a lot, but it used to be like, you know, you would ask a woman, Oh, do you work? Oh no, you're a housewife. Oh, like, yeah. actually, as if being a, a, managing a house and a family a and children wasn't, it wasn't two full-time jobs. It's an insane amount of work. Right. Yeah. But people didn't really used to think of it as a, as a job. Uh, I, I think, a, a lot of creative things kind of go that way is that like they're really it's really easy to think oh how hard can it be to sit down and write a blog post or to to talk about stuff on an interview or do whatever it's actually really hard to do that stuff right it just looks easy right and it feels easy yeah um yeah well and there's a huge difference mentally and when like thinking which you probably spend a lot of time doing thinking and strategizing from a high level and doing and they're totally different brain functions and if you're trying to constantly switch hats you're, yep. you're, I mean dude, I've wrecked too much like oh no I'm with you like uh, I do I try I I try and keep 8 a.m to 12 p.m every day reserved for writing thinking reading like no task oriented stuff mm-hmm. and then the afternoons are calls and task oriented stuff because right because of the high the high cognitive cost of switching oh, between yeah. two things yeah and learn that the hard way are you are you writing another book at this time or is there anything you're doing yeah so we actually have a book about our process mm-hmm. um we uh, um, my assistant um uh, gave me a link if your audience if you have anyone in your audience who's uh you know if you think about working with us that's great just go to bookinabox.com 
sign up, happy to talk to you. But people who really want to write a book who can't afford 20 grand, we wrote a book that describes our entire process, mm -hmm. exactly how to do it. Um, your people can go to bookinabox.com slash bacon and download the, uh, the book for free. Um, it's, it's on Amazon too. It's called the book in a box method, but you can get the exact same book for free and it's everything. It's all of our templates. It's all of our processes. It's everything you need to go step by step to go from idea to finish book exactly the way we do it. It's yeah, it's amazing. I downloaded it a couple of days ago and I was going through it. I'm like, I was really impressed. And if it's a, any indication of the kind of work you guys do, it wasn't thrown together. It wasn't just a calling card. It was, there's actual no. real life step by step strategies in there. Of course. Because it, it's not a lead gen for something else. We right. figure if you're, if you're going to read the book and do it yourself, then you're not a client. Right. You know, the clients are the people who need to save time. Uh, they have money, but they can save time and they don't want to, uh, develop the expertise. So they just hire us. Mm -hmm. The people whose time is not worth that much, they're going to be doing it themselves. So we just figure, let's tell them exactly how to do it exactly the way we do it so they can get the book done. Yeah, I love that. It's not, it's not competition. You know, earlier you mentioned something about that you're pretty good at, whether it was setting the culture, strategy, and seeing some of the trends in business, whether it's things that you should be capitalizing on or probably, you know, or sometimes some things that aren't going to be working. What are some of the trends you're seeing in business right now? I mean, I know you're probably connected with a lot of successful business people. What are you, what are you kind of so seeing do, out there? Do you think, are you, you want to know like more short term, more long term? What do you? Nah, kind of, some of the ones that are most top of your mind, most, most exciting. I mean, well, so I just read Kevin Kelly's The Inevitable. Oh, that yeah, book is put, that's on my wish list. It's good, uh, dude. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, he's he's one of the great thinkers of our he's amazing uh, our century. Seriously, the dude. I mean, New Rules for a New Economy was written, I think, fifteen or sixteen years ago, and it perfectly described everything that's happened in the last two decades. It's amazing. Wow. And, and The Inevitable is the same thing. It's just updated. So if you want to deeply understand the mega trends that are coming. I would, I cannot recommend a book more highly than Kevin Kelly's, uh, The Inevitable. Nice. Um, but that's more of sort of like long-term secular mega trends. Yeah. Short-term short -term stuff. Um, you know what I'm seeing, man? Like, like the most important thing that I think your audience can, can apply is like it, it used, we're starting to really see the shift between co commodity from a commodity economy to a trust economy. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, in a world, basically in a world where everything was commodified, um, 20th century economics is essentially industrial economics. You didn't really need to trust, right? Trust was nice if you had it, but it didn't matter that much. But, uh, uh, in a consumerist sort of commodity economy, in a digital economy where almost everything is either free or totally replaceable, near free, what really matters now uh, is trust. And I think most old companies, uh, old economy companies don't know how to develop trust. The, the, you're seeing the last gasp of this in politics right now. <laughs> like, like you're seeing possibly the most cravenly corrupt politician of all time, Hillary Clinton, mm -hmm. run against a total fucking lunatic. Yeah. They're, they're the exact same age or like within a year of each other. They're the, they are totally the total embodiment, those two of 20th century business i think 21st century business is the total opposite it is uh like i want to do business with people who i trust who i know who i believe in who care all those sorts of things and it's so easy to it's so easy to to, to be kind to care to treat people well it's free and so many businesses don't do it 
And I think if you really, really are in business now and you really focus on that, it's one of those things that creates compound growth. I mean, we've seen it. Our business has been around two years. Not even. We're coming up on our two-year anniversary. Already, 50% of our business is word of mouth, like client hmm. referral. Already, because we focus so much on on do not just doing a great job that we do, but uh, we focus deeply on the author experience and what 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 it's like for people to to deal with us. And by the time they're done, we we're not perfect at it, but pretty much most of our authors by the time they're done love us. Not only do they love their book, but they love us. And so they they become like evangelists so much, right? They become evangelists, and but but it, we only get that because. You get, you get trust because you build a relationship. Wow. And do a so, good job for somebody and that's the best marketing. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do a good job. But then it's, here's the thing though. This is an important distinction. From the very beginning, we were doing amazing books, but what we didn't do a good job at from the very beginning that we're doing really good at now is understanding that the objective end result of a book is only a small part of how people, uh, sort of rated us as a company. What really mattered, or a lot, a big part was their subjective experience in creating that book. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do. like, so we always did a great job with the end product. But if someone has a kind of a crappy experience dealing with us, then even if they have an amazing book at the end, they're gonna, when you ask them about us, they're gonna say, yeah, the book was great. And, you know, they, they were okay to deal with it. I wouldn't fine. go through it again. Yeah. Yeah. Or even if they say, yeah, I'd probably do it again. But, you know, I mean, they could be better. Then uh, think about that as, as compared to, oh, my God, they were so amazing to deal with. They anticipated everything. It, it was just seamless. And the book is amazing. You, you know, you'd think it'd be this crappy book, but instead it's the opposite. It's the most amazing thing I've ever come up with. And it felt like magic. The only difference between those two testimonials is how you treat that author as they go through the process. Yeah. Sub- how you manage their subjective experience. What are some, as far as their experience goes, what are some of the areas that you feel as though, because you said you're improving on that even as it goes, what are some of the areas that you think Book in a Box would even be better uh, for the experience if it provided that it doesn't currently? Um, well, like, are there any you, missing pieces that you think if you could wave a magic wand, like, boom, we'd love to provide this for them? You mean in terms of like providing a service or in terms of how we uh, sort of one. interact? Either one. Well, here's an example. Like, uh, and let's say that I came to you, we got the book six months later, boom, I've got this beautiful book. Is there any, um, post publishing follow up support right, services, right. things that, like that? Question. So, um, so here's one of the, the main things of the book. No one wants a book. They want what they envision a book is going to get them. Right. Right. So what we started off just doing the book. And then what we realize is that no one's buying books from us. They're buying the attention and the status and the prestige and the credibility a book gets them. And they're buying the leads and the clients uh, a book gets them. And they're buying the speaking gigs and they're buying all those results, right? Mm-hmm. So just even though we were knocking it out of the park with books, um, just doing the book wasn't enough because most people didn't have any idea what to do with the book once it was done. Yeah. You know, and, and, and even just, listen, just having a book by itself can, uh, with basically no other marketing can get a lot of benefits for a lot of people. But once you pour on a little bit of, of sort of, uh, uh, marketing juice on that, 
then that's when you really start to see the the kind of the high level um, advancements and changes. So, so to answer your question, what we've started, Zach, who's my co- Zach Oberns, my co-founder, he has uh, already built. He started building a whole new division. We call it plat- informally right now. We call mm-hmm. it platform and box because the basic idea is people who want not just a book but an entire ecosystem around a book. Right. So they want like you know a blog. They want they want content pulled out of the book to share on on uh, on you know guest posts and and other media sites. They want other content extensions from the book. They want to be booked on podcasts. They want, you know, even if it's just in deeply in their niche, they basically want a slow drip of media and a way to capture it. They want an email list. They want all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, basically, everything that a really good authority or, or expert um, or, or, you know, like someone like that has. Yeah. And so we started building that for people. We have four, actually five beta clients right now. Um, and, uh, and that, so that service is, is going to come and be offered wide probably at the beginning of next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, it's almost like expert platform in a box, you know, like we, like we, as long as you are an actual expert and you actually know what you're talking about and you're a great coach or, or, or consultants or any of those sort of things, we can build, we're starting to be able to build the entire platform around it, including the book. That's you cool. And that's exactly where I was going with that. Like thinking, you know, what would be those great follow ups? Like what would the person want next? And that's cool that you're capitalizing on that early because I could see people going, Hey, great. I got a book. Now what do I, now what do, I do with it? What do I do now? Yeah. Right. That's cool. Um, are there any, um, are there any other project businesses, ideas and things that you're right now postponing because you either don't have the time, people, resources to work I- on them? Yeah, dude. I mean, there's, I'm sure you're in the same boat as me. There's 50 things I oh, could yeah. be doing right now. To, to me, Book in a Box was a great idea. Like, great. Like, mm-hmm. off the charts good. Um, I, I don't see myself, other than obviously my family and kids, I don't see myself spending my time on anything else other than this. Because here's the thing. Book in a Box is just a subset of the larger idea. We actually named the company In a Box not book in a box, like on the LLC, right? Oh, in a box. (laughs) Cool. Right. Because here's why. I feel like we've stumbled. In the future, I feel like uh, a lot of people are going to want and need to create media, either for their business or for uh, uh, their personal brand or whatever it is. Um, Huge amounts of people are going to have to learn. They're going to have to be good at creating media. Yeah. Right? And, um, it, 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 it seems kind of silly for someone who is an executive coach or whatever to have to learn how video works, how scr- uh, speech writing works, how book writing works. It doesn't make sense. Like they know what they know. All they're trying to do is get what they know into a media form so that other people can see it. Right. right? So we want to become the company that they go to, to, to do any media, right? Like the, any media creation once you have the idea is just a series of steps. Like once you know what you want to say, it's just a series of steps to put it into a book. Once you know what, you know, like if you have the idea, it's just a series of steps to put it into a speech or into a pitch deck or into a presentation or a video course or anything. Mm -hmm. Right. So what we think is that we can essentially automate the process of going from idea to finished media products. We started with books because books uh, uh, fit a certain, I knew that niche really well, right. and it fit a certain um, a profile. Like we can start with a high, high in 
clients, high profit, uh, high margin. We didn't have to raise money. But eventually, we want to do everything all across the board. If you're turning an idea into a fin- uh, finished product, we want to have an in-a-box for it. Speech in a box, platform in a box, book in a box, all of it. I love that. Yeah. I mean, video in a box. There's a, there's a million things that people... Uh, need out there. And I, I'm starting to see this kind of consolidation as well. Like, listen, come here to get this stuff executed. And there's so much information out there. People are drowning in it. What was what, that old yep. saying? They're drowning in information, starving for wisdom or something similar to yep. that. Yeah, exactly. Starving for execution. Yep. <laughs> just do it. I know what I need to do. I don't need to learn how the engine works. I just kind of want to get in and turn the key and go. Um, are there any resources there that you're looking for that may, maybe my listeners or anybody else out there? It's like, hey, listen, we're we're looking to add this on. It's kind of a way that we can help, you know, provide you with any resources if you're looking for them. What, what do you mean? Well, like, are, are, are there service providers? Are there people, employees? Any any kind of nuts you're trying to crack right now or looking for? I mean, I get a lot of listeners, and they might be like, shit, I totally do this, or this is what my company does, or I'm happy. Oh, to you mean out. like? Like, well, I did, listen, uh, anyone who wants to work with us, we've got a career page. I, I, we're always taking applications. We've got, dude, it's crazy, man. We've got 6,000 people on our mailing list for, um, for job announcements. Like, wow. Uh, I know it's pretty nuts. It's pretty nuts. Um, so obviously anyone who, who's interested in this, just go to bookinabox.com. I think there's a careers or join our tribe. Mm-hmm. There's a link on there. Um, yeah, and anyone who like uh, uh, wants to talk about this stuff or whatever, just my my email is tucker at bookinabox.com. I'm I'm easy to reach. Nice. Um, yeah, nice. Yeah, that's really cool. I like the uh, I like the you know that you're approaching this like really really uh, detailed and professionally. Like, yeah, we're gonna build this out to kind of be a catch all for anybody who's trying to explode their expertise, their credibility. Like you mentioned, that trust factor thing is so important. Uh, a mutual friend, Perry Belcher, I remember yeah. him once saying, um, you know, and I, and I remember this. He goes, it's never been harder to get somebody to spend that first dollar with you, but it's never been easier to get them to continuously buy because, you know, that yeah. first, hey, now you've got social media, you've got Google, you've got all this stuff. If you don't have a great reputation, if you're full of crap, they can spot that a mile away and they got a million options. But when you get them, when you've built that trust, there's so many more options to just get them to keep coming back for more. And I kind of kept that in mind. And yeah, that whole thing about trust, building trust is really the key to it all. And yeah, especially in the future, man, because you can't hide anymore. You can't scam people anymore. They're eventually going to find out. Right. So, so it, we're almost going backwards. Like we came from as humans, as naked apes, with social apes, we came from a small tribal, we evolved in small tribal groups where everyone knew everyone and building, you know, like your long-term credibility was crucial to integration in the tribe. And like, we kind of got away from that in an anonymous industrialized world, but now the world's been reconnected and we're going back to that, which is really actually weirdly more human than it used to be. Like an anonymity is not a normal human sort of uh, condition, but tribalism is. That's what I was talking about with trust is that's why if you're building a business, you look for the long term and you're like, all right, I'm going to do a great job with everyone I work with. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to build my name and I'm going to be someone that I can trust. At, once you've built that asset for five or 10 years, that's something you can utilize then for the rest of your life. And it's, it's really hard to build. That becomes a, a, a moat 
that no one else can cross because it takes years to build it. Yeah. You know? No, abs- absolutely. That's so important. And it, you know, you can screw it up with one, you know, you do something wrong. It can take a lifetime. What do they say to build your reputation and a moment to screw it up? But, yep. um, but you're right. It, it does. It absolutely creates a moat that people can't touch because, uh, you can't build trust overnight. I mean, you can, you can try, but, uh, and a book is a really a great way to do that. I, I guess kind of come in full circle. Well, it builds, it builds credibility. It doesn't credibility. build trust. Right. They're, di- they're different. Credibility and authority. Once you have a book, people know, okay, this person is smart and they, uh, are displaying their intelligence and knowledge to the world that, so I can check it now. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to, I don't have to trust them. I can check it. And then you check the book and it's great. And you're like, all right, now I can trust them a little bit. Because I have read their book and I see what they think and it makes a lot of sense. That's how you build trust is, is slow steps of doing what you say you're going to do, which, which is what a book, a book is, is an implicit promise to give something to someone. There's some ROI. People buy nonfiction books because they expect an ROI. If you deliver that in your book, then that is, that makes you credible and then they now trust you at least a little bit. Yeah, well, and it's, you know, the, the quality of the book matters immensely. So I can attest, as I said, I've, I've been reading, is it John Rulin? Is that his name? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, his Rulin. book, and then your book in a box one. I mean, it's a uh, very powerful strategy. It's one of the things that I've done just helping my clients, you know, get a book off the ground, although I don't personally do that anymore because I know how much it I take that back. I don't help them write it anymore because I know how much work that can be just personally going in and doing that. I like having somebody like yourself as a potential referral source for clients who, um, who, you know, may want that and then, you know, come back to me. I help them capitalize on it, et cetera. But, um, any, uh, any other non-business or fun related books that you've got, you know, kind of planned. You're, you're such an amazing writer that, uh, I know you're probably done with the frat tire days. I think you, I've heard you say, but uh, yeah. is there anything no, else I, in your? No, I mean it's mostly for the next six months to a year. It's pretty much all book stuff, book in a box stuff. It's all like um, that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, you know. But I, dude, I'm only forty. Oh, yeah. I, I've got I've got all kinds of I got decades of business ahead of me. I'm exactly. sure I'll do other stuff. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm sure you will. Cool, well, Tucker. This has been uh, this has been really awesome. I really enjoyed a chance to kind of. You know, hear these strategies go deep and hear kind of the, uh, kind of the not just how to create a book, but other ways to utilize it and leverage on those and hear the things that you're moving forward on. If there's anything that I can personally do or any of my listeners to, um, you know, help you speed that up by all means, you know, don't hesitate to, to reach out. Let me know. I know a lot of people and I've got a lot of resources that, um, you know, you know, may be useful for you going forward in the future. To, uh, you know, my listeners, I definitely encourage them to check out Book in a Box and the free book. What is it? Bookinabox.com slash bacon. Yep. Yep. And you guys can download it there. As I said, my friend Shalina, just like 20 minutes before we, uh, we jumped on the phone, she was asking me for the exact same thing. So, you know, that's kind of a sign that you're onto something hot <laughs> and it's not going any way away anytime soon. Um, by the way, are you a coffee drinker? I'm happy to send you a. Bag of the yeah, dude. Of course. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think I got you, I got your office address here. I'll, I'll I'll make sure I send it to you. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add, but man, I would just really appreciate the you know the time and uh, you know everything you shared with us here. 
No, man, it was fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. For my listeners, if uh, this is a strategy that you're thinking about doing, uh, well, let me ask you this. This is something I didn't kind of cover. What is the customer's or prospective customer's journey with you? If they are interested, they go to Book in a Box. Do they apply? Do they jump on the phone? What's the story? Just, Just go to Book in a Box. There's a little form at the bottom. Fill it out. We'll follow up right away, uh, you know, in the next, whatever, 24 hours. It's a real human who follows up. You get on the phone with them. Um, they uh, uh, kind of ask you questions, figure out if you're a good fit for us. Then we answer any questions you have to figure out if, if this makes sense for you. And then if so, then we start We start moving forward. Nice. I mean, we can, we, we right now... We're not, we're not backed up, so we can get started pretty quick with, uh, with clients. Well, I love to hear it, and um, I encourage everybody to go check that out. And if you have any questions for me personally, uh, I, you know, I urge you to send an email to askbrad at baconwrapbusiness.com. It is a personal email. I do read them, whether you've got uh, insight and feedback or you're kind of stuck in your own business, whether you've got a book and you want to know how to better monetize it or you, uh, your sales have kind of topped out. You're kind of frustrated and stuck. I got a lot of bag, a lot of tricks in my bag and uh, I'm happy to share those with you. Kind of give you a second opinion on what might, you know, be a better strategy for you going forward. Uh, and you, once more, just send that email to ask Brad at bacon wrap business. And I encourage you to share this tag me, maybe tag Tucker on Twitter. What are, what are you at? Tucker max. Yep. Twitter. Cool. And let us know what you think of the show. Um, Tucker, thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. And I know you're a busy guy, so I'll let you get going. But um, to all my listeners, if you like this, keep listening. Got some more good stuff coming up. And we'll talk to you next week.